Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we just watch? Well, Kevin, we just watched the pilot of Cop Rock, which of course aired September 26th, 1990. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> Let me just ask something. Please do. What the fuck? <laughs> Why do you, my husband, a man I know and love, know about this thing? <laughs> that was the most bizarre thing I've ever sat through. <laughs> I, I'm, no, it, no, 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 it's worse than that. 
than that. You own that on DVD. You own a Cop Rock DVD. <laughs> I smashed it up as soon as it was released. So this is not just going to be a discussion of a bizarre, bizarre combo of the police procedural genre with the musical genre. This is going to be analysis of my husband's strange, twisted psyche. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated with bad creative choices. And Cop Rock has a reputation as one of the worst television programs ever made often shows up in a list of the top 10 worst shows ever made. So obviously I knew about it. And when it, when it premiered in 1990, people were as baffled as you are now. And I watched it then. So when they released the DVD, I believe it was in 2016, obviously I had to get it. This is going to be a terrible episode because it's just going to be like, I, the only thing I can do at this is gape. I can't, you know, I, I can't, it's like, I, it's like a tsunami suddenly coming at our house in landlocked Virg uh, in landlocked Indiana, what what can I what can I do other than just stare at it? I, I kept on asking you because I, I, I you were staring at it transfixed, and I <laughs> honestly don't know if you hate it or if you strangely love it. And when I watch all the other episodes, I have a I have a sick impulse too sometimes, and I think it's like I'm in a I'm in an unfamiliar foreign jungle with all these strange bizarre looking creatures maybe sometimes i want to go back to the place i'm familiar with but maybe maybe part of me wants to forge ahead and see what else happens <laughs> <laughs> lost city of z style <laughs> I, I, I bought this dvd when it was released the complete series i watched through the opening credits of episode one then I ejected the disc, did not put it in again until we watched it just now. So that was my instinct. <laughs> <laughs> you were all excited to show me this, though. <laughs> you were looking at me like you were bringing me a good thing. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I told you. It was an oddity. It was hard to describe. It's really like something that should be in like Ripley's Believe It or Not. And like I was okay, so basically let's just before we just go too much up our own asses, this is this is, as I said, a a musical police procedural about, I believe, an LAPD precinct. Yeah. Yes. And all the cops involved and all the people around the precinct. And if you're thinking, oh, it's like a musical about cops, like kind of like a lavish Holly Hollywood, old time Hollywood or Broadway production with lots of dancing and things like that. That's apparently what you thought. That's what I thought. I, to me, I was like, that sounds pretty dumb, but like, like dumb in a way that I'm familiar with. Like, you know, like, like somebody saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway or, you know, saw something, you know, saw and was like, let's do that with with cops. And like, that's not a great idea. But I thought it would be like bouncy and jubilant and like money poured into it almost that you could see on the screen. Instead, it's like I filmed it on my phone. The audio, for some <laughs> reason, really kind of seemed iffy to me. Everything's kind of a, a wash in darkness and, and kind of gray grays and grime colors and it looks really gross, make the city look really gross. And it's kind of people singing sort of half-assed songs at each other. 
at, at points, at random points. And, and when you talk about the quality of the songs, given my dim memories of the rest of the series, the songs in the pilot are by far the best. They're written by Randy Newman. The songs didn't offend me in the pilot. They didn't do a lot for me, though. You know, I They was... kind of offended me. Some of them did. Some of them were like bland enough to just kind of skate by. Some of them were like, whatever. I don't, I wasn't sitting there like, oh, but I, I mean, Jesus. Talk about Randy Newman. This man, this man is in the, for some reason, instead of just having like, I don't know, a normal opening credit scene, like a normal TV show, they chose to have Randy Newman playing the piano with a bunch of studio musicians around him and backup singers and the cast in in street clothes i think is out of character out of character playing themselves just regular joes enjoying the musical stylings of one randy newman bobbing their heads yeah randy and uh i guess it would have been too inappropriate to just get somebody to like you know suck randy newman's dick on screen but (laughs) (laughs) there you go it was so odd. It was so that was also somehow the most energized I saw anyone in this whole program. So to give the flavor, it's basically like Hill Street Blues with occasional songs. And so it started out with a raid on a house that was populated primarily by people of color and is kind of a violent raid. And as the police officers are putting the uh, offenders into police cars, the offenders break into song. Yeah, I really, it was weird because I was expecting songs, right? But when I saw that, them leading these young black men into the police cars in, you know, in a violent way, which is, you know, that's not aged very well throughout this. You know, they break into not just a song, but really bad raps. Awful raps. Awful raps. Just terrible. And uh, even in 1990, I knew that was a bad. Yeah, rap you knew song. that was a. You're like very, very white and nerdy, and you were like, "That's that's not gonna cut it here." You weren't even born yet, and but I, I wager you knew it was a bad. I somehow rap song. knew even before I was born that this was bad, and and like even though I was expecting a musical element, at this point I really felt like maybe I consumed some drugs without realizing it because like, what am I seeing here? And like the the the, the I don't maybe <laughs> maybe I am on drugs and I'm not aware of it because that would explain a lot of this. <laughs> uh, the bad guys get let out on bail because of overcrowding. And I, one other thing that kind of adds to the sense of surrealness about this show, you know, we're not really like introduced to a main character. We kind of get glimpses of a few. It's an ensemble, fine, but like. It jumps around so varyingly that it really is hard to follow what the fuck is going on. It's like, we're with these cops. Now these cops, these are different cops. Oh, now we're with the prosecutor. And it's like, okay, like, I I didn't feel like we were given an opportunity to really, like, cling to most of these people. Maybe a few. But most of them, it's just, like, things are happening and it's not really super clear and you're not really attached to anyone so you just sort of feel like you're floating in space well to be fair that was kind of uh the style of the time it, it, it reminded me of like a hill street blues or a saint elsewhere or an la law there's a big group of people and, and that the knowledge you you have of those characters is kind of like cumulative 
it you know gathers over time. Perhaps, but maybe throw. There's a lot of things wrong with this. No, show. but let me say this: but throwing in a musical element, you know, in musicals, you're sort of singing what you're feeling, right? And if you want me to like care about what these people are feeling, I feel like it's sort of like a. It's sort of like somebody coming up to you at the bar and saying, can I, you know, can I have sex with you right now? Like, like, let's get to know, you know, like, let's talk. Like, it, it, you always throw that in my face. <laughs> Our meet cute was uh, pretty disturbing. <laughs> I'm always trying to give you pointers, even to this day. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it just feels a little bit, maybe the musical, if you want me to buy, I, I like a musical. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm not a musical I'm not a huge musical fan, but I don't mind it. But I, I need to buy it, and I don't buy it in this setting, especially when I can't even find a character where it's like, oh, I want to hear you sing about how you're feeling. <laughs> it's too intimate. <laughs> Get that out of here. So you weren't ready for the intense personal nature of some of these tunes. It's not that. It's just that, like, if you're going to sing at me about your feelings, I should at least kind of get a sense of what direction you're going in here. Because otherwise it just, I don't, I, I just think you look ridiculous. You're just a random person singing at me. It's, it's like someone singing at you on the subway rather than like watching a musical. <laughs> I feel, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like it's being thrust upon me rather than, you know, me accepting the, the suspension of disbelief that a musical requires. So you seem to be edging towards hating it. Never watch it again. <sighs> Yeah, but, like, there's something about the mood whiplash that I kind of, like, perversely love. Because it'll be, like, for example, a van chase where you have a bunch of cops going after a van where one of the drug dealers that they had to release is. And then the drug dealer bursts out of it, shoots a cop that we don't know. We, we It's, like, an African-American cop with a white cop. The white cop dies. And the, and the African-American cops, like, wailing over his body and, like, oh, my God, you shot my partner. And it's like, we don't even know this dude. Like, you just. And also, let me say, uh, the actor playing the uh, African-American cop later became known for playing Lieutenant Fancy on NYPD Blue. And on that show, he played the role with a real quiet dignity. Mm -hmm. Very stoic. Uh, which suggested an inner strength and inner nobility. And in this one, he's just really overacting. Yeah, and I... It I, was shocking to see. When, it was jarring. When you when you have an actor that's obviously a good actor and they're overacting, the issue is direction, you know? Like, that's what's going on. And we can reveal that when he was loudly wailing over the body of his recently deceased partner, friend, colleague... You were laughing hysterically. Because it was so over the top. It was so over the top. And, if you know, it's pretty easy to get an audience, I think, to kind of, like, at least care. Like, if we care about a character, if we see, oh, these, this other guy cares about him and, like, you know, we hope he, it works out for him. And then he gets killed and that's a sad moment, pathos. It's not that hard to do that, but they just, they just, like, literally, it was like, they, like, here he is. Oh, no, he's dead. And it was like, it was so jarring. And then, you know, they're going to be fucking singing about it in two minutes. So it just, like, how, if you're going to try to juggle really serious topics with a musical, that's fine. But you got to, you got to wield the music almost like a surgeon wields a scalpel. Because otherwise you're just going to make a big fucking mess. And also the parts where they weren't see singing 
by and large, were pretty tedious. It was kind of like when those softcore porn films <laughs> where you like fast forward to get to the nudity. You'd know all about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> and so I could imagine fast forwarding to get to the songs in this one, which we did not do. But I could uh, imagine that. I was wondering where all those sex scenes were coming from. Do we put on <laughs> cop porn, the musical? <laughs> What would that be like? It would be porn. But like a bunch of prisoners being... Uh... No, don't say it. Don't <laughs> don't even finish whatever you're about to say. I, I'm curious, cop porn. It seems like you have it all worked out in your head. I just said the words. Sounds like you have a pretty good idea of exactly what you're looking for. There certainly has been uh, pornographic uh, Broadway musicals. The classic, of course, of the genre was Let My People Come. I hope the I hope the audio is picking up the crickets in the background. <laughs> it's a real music. I I, I have. Well, here, here's my question: Why don't you just grow up and watch porn? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? Like, why you gotta go to a musical about it? That's just dumb. That's just trying to be shocking so people will come and see it. Well, I mean, I I bought the album. Yeah, because yeah, because of course you did, Kevin. Because <laughs> you're Kevin. Aren't you curious? Don't you want to hear it? Look at me. Look at me in the eyes. No. <laughs> not not a stitch. Not a not a chance. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And then also, as I recall, you were disturbed by some of the hard-hitting scenes. Like at one point, they had one of the uh, persons who was who had information about the identity of the cop killer. Uh, why don't you describe that scene? Yeah, I, I mean, like I don't know, maybe in twenty twenty one, if you want me to sympathize with the cops in your show, I'm not really gonna like love to see them torturing a black man with coffee and like forcing him to drink it and making him pee himself. Like, I, I'm sure that wasn't. I'm sure that was disturbing at the time as well. It's disturbing now. Doesn't seem to have aged well because they're showing that and it's not, maybe they're kind of like, these cops are too on the edge. But like, it's definitely not like, it definitely doesn't feel like the show's telling me that like, this is the bad guy. It's sort of portrayed as they, they kind of need to do this to do their jobs. And, it, and it's like, hmm. If, no. if you're disturbed by the coffee drinking scene, 
you had another thing coming before the episode was over. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But let's get to let's get to maybe perhaps the uh, the most jarring moment for both oh, of us. Oh, oh, the bathroom scene. Oh well, actually, I was thinking of something else. But sure, we can get to the bathrooms. There's all these like the random bathroom scenes. scene was where uh, two middle aged men talked about how hard it is to pee when you get older. Boy, that hit home. Yeah, you know it's. <laughs> Well, that's my point. What I'm gonna get, I'm getting winding up to. But the thing about that is, like, it has a lot of moments like that where it's like uh, police brutality, men talking about their dicks in the gritty bathroom, and it sort of like feels like they have a lot of elements that, like, they think that this is what gritty police shows have, but they're not able to really string it together in an interesting way. So the truly kind of fascinating moments are actually either the songs or the the moments around the songs that make the songs so jarring. But um, speaking of, there's there's a, we, you know, we we saw ourselves in screen, Kevin, because there is an age gap relationship in this, uh, in this episode. And you are a little bit older than me. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> Anya and I have a little bit of an age difference. A little, little bit. And uh, there's a, a young uh, cop. A, a hot young thing. Hot young female cop. Who indicates that she's interested in having sexual relations with her hot young partner. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then she goes in and, and we see her interact with her husband, who is the middle-aged man who was complaining about his urinary problems earlier. Who's balding, fat, and is also, it seems to be some sort of CSI coroner guy, basically. Yeah, who matter. Who the fuck knows? And, and then, then, and then, I'm gonna say, speaking as somebody who is in a age gap relationship, one of the things that they really don't tell you is that one of the biggest problems in terms of communication is that instead of having sex with you, your older husband will actually just sit in a darkened room and singing a bland, you know, love song about you instead of instead of actually communicating that with you directly. And it's very difficult. And I find I'll walk in, Kevin will be sitting there in the dark singing. Ani Kane, my beautiful girl. And I'll just have to kind of quietly sidestep him <laughs> until the mood passes him. And then we can go back to having a relationship. But um, it's but pretty upsetting. And I, I, I will say I do respect this show for, you know, depicting the truth like that. You know? Are you quite finished? I'm quite finished. <laughs> <laughs> she enjoyed that, folks. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Well, I'm glad you thought so. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You're just it. mad that you're the loser, like little, you know, like I'm the cool hot cop, and you're the you're the guy sitting in his. I mean, and this is so, one shot. This is one shot. They're just zooming back yeah, and let's forth. Let's say what happens is the woman comes in and she indicates her interest in availability to have sex with her husband, and he says, "Well, you know, sorry, dear, I can't do that right now." And so then she leaves. After she leaves, he is sitting in his chair singing about how hot and beautiful she is. He's not moving. He's not dancing. He's not standing. He's barely breathing. <laughs> and the camera slowly zooms in on him as he sings about how wonderful she is. And if he really thought she was so wonderful, why didn't he go have sex with her? Yeah, it was, it was pretty dumb. It was offensive. Not everyone can be Bogart and Bacall, I guess. That's right. <laughs> they had an age gap too. Yeah, so that that kind of goes nowhere, and I mean that's the problem. A lot of these kind of threads don't seem that interesting, and they also go nowhere within the episode. 
uh, sort of has boomtownitis where they're trying to cram in too many people. It feels and and you know, except in Boomtown, like the performances were good enough where you could uh, kind of start to care about the characters despite yourself. <laughs> this doesn't really have that issue. Did you care about any of these characters? Nah, I didn't even. No, I mean I could pick some of them out because just you know, random things, but nobody who I was like, oh my God, what a stirring performance despite the bad I've got to admit, there were, there were two young female cops and I couldn't tell them apart. I'm not even sure there were two cops. No, there were, I thought there was one female cop. So it was the same female cop? I'm pretty sure. I'm going to go to IMDB. <laughs> By the way, our co-host, Miss Kane, now has an entry on IMDB. Yeah, because it was revealed that I was in Cop Rock the Musical. <laughs> White brunette cop lady i guess it was the same maybe she wore her hair differently and fooled me anya often wears her hair differently and tells me that she's her twin sister banya <laughs> that means milk in irish <laughs> or her cousin tanya mm. or her overseas relative anya grimes oh no we're not bringing back anya grimes we're not Anya Grimes has been deported and banned from the U.S. <laughs> I know that's very sad for you. In some ways, you got along better with her than you do me, but... She was pretty colorful. Yeah. Quite the raconteur. A little bit too colorful. Um, a little bit too raconteurish. Uh, so other weird moments, and I think they're supposed to be kind of quirky and fun, but they kind of just read as, what the fuck am I seeing? Uh, the chief of police is some sort of like cowboy wannabe who has a fake dummy cowboy in his closet that he can pop out and shoot at. Wouldn't they be concerned about like a bullet going through the wall or something and like killing a secretary? I don't even know if it was a real gun. Yeah, I, I, well, I e didn't really follow that. Even if, even if it wasn't a real gun, it's just seems dumb and stupid and something you can't really take seriously. And, uh, the, you know, the, there's a weird thing with, like, a, the mayor of the town. Who, who was played by Barbara Bosson, who was the wife of series creator Stephen Bochco. She was also, of course, the uh, played the ex-wife of Frank Farillo on TV's Hill Street Blues. But pray continue. Are you finished? <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> I'm quite done. You're done? Great. Yeah, she is the corrupt mayor with giant hair, and she's going to sing about... Uh, wanting a jail, and then she's going to take a bribe so a bearded guy can get the jail contract. And it might have been more interesting because she said, she told the police chief, I'm going to get you your jail. He basically went on a press conference and said, we need another jail because the bad guys were released due to you know, prison overcrowding. And so she's like, I'm going to get you a new jail. It's going to be great. And so if she had been bribed to like not put in the jail, that would have been more interesting because then it would be like she's a person who's saying one thing and then doing something totally different and sort of like you could see how that would be, you know, a nemesis for the police and an antagonist, you know, series antagonist. But instead it's like she's just getting a bribe so one particular guy can build the jail. So it, it, like, it just, what's, what's the point of it? What's, what's the point? It's still illegal. It's still a crime. You don't care about white-collar crime. I do. I'm just saying it's not an interesting story choice. It's sort of like if you saw her, like, speeding or, like, I don't know. like what She was speeding? Oh. Jesus Christ. I must have missed that. Tell me about that. How was she speeding? How fast was she going? 
Did she get away with it? Are you okay? Is cop rock like hurt your brain in some way? Some irreversible way? Is this how it's going to be from now on? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The lights are dimming! <laughs> oh god. I'm going to have to go to like a cop rock spouse's like 12 <laughs> step group. Maybe maybe one of the cringier songs for me was a a, a really high strung prosecutor ropes in. Let's call him the hothead. I think his name is Larusso or something. He's the hothead cop. He gets roped into a trial. The bad guy, as we were informed, he's a bad guy, gets uh, convicted, and then the judge leads the jury. In a gospel song, starting with a the stenographer pulling up his desk and it reveals a, a glowing piano. So that was that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot to, to see. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody who was like trying so hard to like like maybe in high school, you see someone who's trying so hard to be cool and it makes you almost like have like a physical reaction of like secondhand embarrassment. Cause that's sort of like what we're looking at here. I think, <laughs> I mean that that's how I felt watching this scene. It was, it was awkward. It was awkward. You know, there was a similar format on uh, the singing detective and everybody raves about that show. Maybe we should give that a shot. What, what was that? I don't, what was that done show? by uh, Dennis Potter, the same guy that did Pennies from Heaven. I actually don't think it's impossible to have a a musical show that works. You just have to have a good idea for it and like know what you're working with. And I think having all of those songs crammed it, maybe if they'd focused all their energies on one really good song, an episode, you could do that. And that maybe have a little more production value to it, like have people dancing or... It's shot I, I, in an interesting I, I, way. I think it's difficult to do a musical every week, especially on a television budget. Most Broadway shows take months, if not years, to write. And then when they make their debut, they go through uh, tryouts in other cities, and they're revised and fixed and stuff. You know, they don't, like Stephen Sondheim or Cole Porter, these people did not do four songs for a uh, TV show every week. That's why I'm that's what I'm saying it's too it's 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 I respect the ambition but it's way too much and maybe just put all your resources into one song a week. That's probably still too much, but like it's better than four. These these songs feel thin. They feel undercooked at best and some of them are downright cringy and seem almost inappropriate like the gospel song about someone going to jail so like i i feel like maybe just have one maybe good song make that your kick-ass moment of the episode and get the fuck out then you know like that's that's all you have to worry about four songs no can't do it that's never gonna work <laughs> That's what the that's what the executive should have told these people before this got to a pilot. Was it canceled after the pilot and they released the episodes later, or how long did this run? 
This ran for 11 episodes. How the fuck did it survive 11 episodes? That's the real fucking miracle. What? I would watch a documentary of the making of Cop Rock. I'm that fascinated with this. It is fat. That's the thing. It's it's gripping in the sense of like, it's like it's like you're watching a an accident with like cars flying every which way in like in ways you didn't think imaginable, and you're almost like transfixed by it. Like, how is this happening? What's happened? Tell me, how did this happen? I think Stephen Bochco had a contract at the time that he could get ten series on the air on ABC. And he kind of felt obligated that if you have an opportunity to put 10 shows on the air, you really should try to experiment with some of them and just don't do the same old, same old. I, res- I respect it. I respect that. And I read an interview where he said that the idea had always been stuck in the back of his head because at some point someone had wanted to do a Broadway musical version of Hill Street Blues. Listen, I give I give the ambition credit, and I think you do too. And I think I would I wish maybe the ambition and creativity had been directed a little more in a realistic way. But, you know, I and I wish there was no like gross police brutality in this, but it, it portrayed as it is as sort of like a, a just a part of the job. But I, I would say I, I respect the ambition and you know, it's an it's an interesting disaster at the very least. Maybe that's better than just another bland police procedural that, you know, fizzles out because it's, you know, not interesting. Is it interesting during the parts where there's no singing? No, but it's like the calm before the storm where you're (laughs) you're you're like, is this the moment they're going to start singing again? Anytime they were about to start singing, you would always say, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. You get that like sixth sense. Like, it's like you can feel it. It's coming. You gotta seek shelter, everybody. The the show almost had like a little smug pause right before they started singing. And that's when you knew. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, perhaps the most like egregious moment in terms of the plot occurs at the very end. Uh, Yeah, a woman who has a drug Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the murder. Oh, okay. (laughs) Tell us what happened. Well, that, the drug thing is the very end of the okay, show. Okay, fine. Let, let's get to Yeah, it. give me that. Let's let's talk about the murder first. Okay, so uh, they figure out who the cop killer is and where he's at. And through some plot contrivances, a couple of rookie cops make a mistake and they blow the arrest. At which point our hothead cop sends the rookies away. And he goes and he talks to the cop killer who's very smug because he knows that he can't be arrested now because the rookies made a mistake, at which point our hothead cop uh, shoots him, killing him. In cold blood while the man is handcuffed. Yes. Um, One of our heroes. Yeah, one of the heroes. Like, that's not aged well at all. And my question is, I mean, like, you watched um, Hill Street Blues and stuff like that. I've never seen it. Is that a show where like something like that would happen? Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blues, those shows would sometimes take choices like that to try to shock you, especially in the early episodes where they're trying to get your attention. Okay. The pilot of uh, NYPD Blue ended with one of the uh, police officers committing murder, if I recall correctly. Okay. 
Yeah, I was just curious because I was like, that kind of came out of nowhere and just seemed kind of dumb. And then the the one of the the sergeant or something is like threatening the hothead afterwards, being like, "Oh, I know you committed murder. I'm gonna come and get you. Oh, you can't get me. Oh, I'll get you. All right. Don't you eat my hamburger." That's basically it. <laughs> you do a good impression of these cops. <laughs> And that now we can get to your beloved ending with the, the drug dealer mom who's been a witness throughout all so this. So a drug addicted woman who has a baby is sitting on a bench. She's not moving or standing or doing anything. Just sitting on a bench holding her baby, singing a sweet lullaby to her baby. And then as the lullaby ends, a car pulls up, a man gets out, and she sells her baby to the man for $200. The end. Cop rock. Cop rock. <laughs> yeah, it was. So what did you, you think of that? I, I just thought it was. I, I felt like. I feel like it was like. It was like. The show at the end. At the, like maybe. Maybe after the, the cop got killed from then on. It was like trying to shock you. Like this is what it's like. This is what the world's like. This lady's selling her baby for some money for drugs. People are dying. Cops are killing people. People are killing cops. And it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's just like, it's tr it's trying, it's trying too hard. And without you um, caring about the characters or at all, at all or uh, without good storytelling chops, you know, the shock value only goes so far. And, and I would argue that this, uh, th this kind of maybe sort of semi gritty police show could work. And it sounds like, it was created by successful storytellers with other programs under their belt. But I just feel like all the focus on the, on the songs almost like sapped all of the sapped all of the energy out of the characters and all the other elements of the show and just kind of made it feel like just a collection of bizarre scenes, like a fever dream or something. So the big question is what we're going to do with the DVDs. Are we going to file them away and forget about them? Or are you going to watch the other 10 episodes of this disaster? I might be interested in once in a while tuning into Cop Rock and seeing what is up and what what other <laughs> what other weird things they do because I'll give it credit for that like I the 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 the, the songs were kind of like kind of like when you hit a pothole in the road and the car shakes around a bit like maybe it's not pleasant but it's kind of like whoa what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> So you love it? I, I don't know if I love it, but I might want to. I want. I might want to see what happens. What what else they do? I I I, I, I almost respect the audacity. <laughs> the audacity. I wish there was more dancing though, because that would be fun. Seeing a bunch of cops dance around, or like the criminals dancing, like that would just be fun. <laughs> <laughs> What's your five star? Well, five? I want to ask you. You survived this, you know. You you didn't even think you could previously. You just stopped watching. Yeah. So what was your take? It it was an unsuccessful hybrid of the uh, formulaic Stephen Bochco police show with a really bad musical. So it, I didn't think the musical parts worked, and I didn't think the. Uh, formulate cop show parts worked the only character that i liked at all was that sergeant guy 
Yeah, I agree. He was the only he was the only character that I found it like there was a kernel of something compelling there. Yes, he seemed very competent and strong, and yeah, he seemed to care about the people who worked for he him. He seemed compassionate, and I thought that actor actually did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, it sort of feels like this was a situation where somebody tried to make, like, you know, we love pizza, we love ice cream, let's make ice cream pizza, and like, no. <laughs> like, not only are you going to make a dish that's not really appealing, but you're going to actually, like, you're going to make the pizza really soggy and you're going to make the ice cream taste bad and salty. So all you have is a big mess on your plate. So if you'd known this existed, would you have sought it out as I did? Or would you have just moved along? I would have moved along. <laughs> I don't know. But being around you is like your, your weird uh, contrarianness when it comes to odd medias maybe rubbed off on me a little bit because now it's got your fancy <laughs> now i'm gonna make you watch it <laughs> you're gonna be in front of that oh, tv no. clockwork orange style watching <laughs> cop rock then we'll see what that does to the human mind jesus christ <laughs> they're gonna play some randy newman songs and you're gonna start screaming <laughs> five-star final my five-star final well i give cop rock commendations for its brazenness but ultimately i have to cite it for uumv and that's unauthorized use of a musical vehicle thanks for listening this week i'd like to give a special thanks to kevin t greenley who's no relation to me He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.